One in three kids is overweight or obese. Welcome to Kids Can, Healthy Kids, Better World, a podcast from Action for Healthy Kids. Hello and welcome back to Kids Can, presented by Action for Healthy Kids, a show highlighting issues children face daily and featuring conversations on how you can help the kids in your life. I'm your host, Rob Bisegli. On today's episode, we're chatting with the president of RMC Health and the chief growth officer at Action for Healthy Kids, Shelly Full. Shelly has spent her career creating and leading impactful initiatives and partnerships to improve the health and well-being of people across the United States and around the world. She was appointed by President Obama as the executive director of the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition, where she was responsible for developing the vision, strategy, and goals of the council and directing the organization's daily operations. In addition, Shelley led the council's efforts to support First Lady Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative. Shelley's here today to talk all about the exciting news that Action for Healthy Kids and RMC Health have joined forces to tackle child health and well-being with greater impact. Hi, Shelley, and welcome to Kids Can. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. We've known each other for quite a number of years, but over the last six months, we've really started to work in a much different way with each other. So I'm excited to talk today. Likewise. Before we get going and talk about the amazing partnership between Action for Healthy Kids and RMC Health, I'd like to take a moment to introduce our listeners to you and talk a little bit about your career. You've just had an amazing career and led so many impactful efforts to improve the health and well-being of Americans. Is there a particular point in your career when you decided you wanted to devote your career to child and adult health? I can't pin to the exact time, but I certainly think in my undergrad work, when I went to college at the University of Northern Iowa, I knew I wanted to focus in health in some way, shape, or form and ended up focusing in community-based health education. And I think that really grew from my own experience in playing sports and knowing what that experience was like in terms of how sports and being physically active impacted not only my physical well-being, but mental and emotional as well. So I really kind of honed in on that and ended up spending my career doing just that. In terms of focusing on youth, certainly in my career, I focused on the whole lifespan of individuals, but seemed to gravitate towards how we are supporting our young people in their well-being endeavors. So what is it about the health of our youth that really draws you to this kind of work? For obvious reasons, we know that kids who are physically active not only are more physically healthy, but it greatly impacts their ability to do well in life. And whether that's in academics at school, whether it's their relationships behaviorally and how kids relate to each other. And so if we're looking at the whole child and not just their physical, but their nutrition, their ability to resolve conflicts, all aspects of a child's well-being and their growth and development are important. And I think that the opportunity to impact in a positive way kids and families such that our young people can grow up to be productive, vivacious adults is really important and has been an intriguing challenge throughout my career. Indeed. So we're going to circle back to this 
idea of whole child health in our conversation in a few minutes. But before we go there, I want to talk a little bit more about your experience. So you had the distinct honor of being appointed by President Obama as the executive director of the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and some of the biggest challenges, but also some of the big successes that you experienced in that position? Sure, absolutely. And yes, exactly. It was a, a huge it was a huge honor to be appointed by President Obama to lead the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. And like so many of us, we knew the President's Council on Fitness growing up, and sometimes that was a good thing, and sometimes not so good, depending on how we fared on that doggone presidential youth fitness test, right? But what I knew then and know now is that the work of the President's Council, which is now into its seventh decade, is the focus on well-being again. One of the things that I really enjoyed working on while there was taking a look at how the programs, some of them, the programs have been around for many, many decades. There are some new programs, some new opportunities to recognize individuals and the focus on health versus athletic prowess or athletic performance. And so that was really a focus that the council took during my tenure there with the focus on how do we reach the most people? And we know that Sports, again, I played sports growing up. I was good at sports and I enjoyed it, but not everybody does. And so for us, it was how do we reach the most people with being active and healthy eating and all aspects of our well-being such that we could really reach more individuals at every span of life so that they in turn could achieve those health results and health outcomes that we know are so important. I would guess that some of the listeners would be surprised if they were to walk into a gymnasium now and see what a current day high quality PE program looks like. It doesn't look like the programs that we experienced uh, when we were younger. And that's a really positive thing because mm-hmm. now it's really those programs that are following best practices, they're teaching kids about how to live a healthy lifestyle to yeah. be physically active, of course. And, you know, sports can be part of that, but it's so much more than that today. And another really important part of your experience, I'm, I'm sure, is you led the council's efforts around the First Lady Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your experience in working with the administration on that? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, obviously the First Lady's Let's Move initiative was huge. It was huge for a First Lady to take on this subject matter and really lean into it and focus on physical activity and nutrition in our schools, in our communities. Certainly there were at least 16 different agencies around or across federal government that supported this work. And the President's Council was one of those. And so our focus was largely in the area of youth fitness, including education. And so we actually led the creation of Let's Move Active Schools, which of course still exists today in the form of active schools. So it was that really whole of government approach that brought all these different agencies together. And I would say it took the leadership of a first lady and certainly Mrs. Obama specifically 
to bring all of those agencies together, working in tandem, knocking down silos, if you will, and coming together for the benefit of the whole. And I really witnessed that firsthand. I witnessed the authenticity of the First Lady herself, and that really rippled out to all of us that were working in this space. So it was really awesome to see government working in a way that was in service to constituents all across the country. Thinking back on that time, how do today's challenges for kids compared to those during the, for example, the Let's Move era? Yeah, I think I would say the challenges today are, I'm sure, some similar, but also different because of the pandemic, because of other societal issues and navigating those things, because of the prevalence of social media, because of the prevalence of vaping and drugs and alcohol in different ways than we've seen in past generations, the accessibility of those sorts of things. So when we think about the health of the whole child, what young people are facing today is different than even a decade ago, I think. If you go back even a decade, let alone before that, But just the social media alone, the amount of screen time that kids are taking in currently, et cetera, and what they're exposed to, to me, greatly impacts their health, their social and emotional health, their ability to be part of a community. So I think those types of things, and again, the trauma that kids are showing up with now related to the pandemic and the isolation and all of those things that we know and are hearing about is real. And we need to support our families and our school personnel in supporting our young people. Yeah, the challenges are great for sure. So we'll go exactly there. Now that we've talked a little bit about your background, I'd like to take a moment or two to talk about the Rocky Mountain Center for Health Promotion and Education, or RMC Health. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the organization and its decades of experience serving education and public health at the local, state, and even national levels? Sure, absolutely. RMC Health has been around for now over 40 years and has really built itself as a best-in-class organization and programs that support professional development, training, technical assistance, capacity building for the education community as well as the public health community. So that really has been the sweet spot, if you will, for RMC Health over these many years and continues to be in terms of providing that top quality, best-in-class training and programming across the board. So when you think about the challenges that you just mentioned from a moment ago that kids are facing and communities parents and caregivers and others, how does RMC Health, what role does RMC Health play in serving those communities around these great challenges that you're talking about? So one of the ways that RMC Health is supporting the whole child is through the whole school, whole community, whole child approach, which of course CDC has centered its work around and so many of us in the field have taken up and are promoting and supporting throughout our programming. For example, RMC Health may help a school or a school district create a school wellness 
program, a school wellness coalition, and help them understand how to build a coalition, how to sustain a coalition. It may help them in terms of their advocacy issues, understanding policies that are in place, how to impact policy at their local level. It also may help in programming to help them decide on programs that will in turn support the whole child approach, including staff wellness, including how are we engaging with parents and the like. So those are just a couple of the ways that we are helping the adults who impact kids to be well-versed, to be an expert. We say we're expert at making you the expert is one of our kind of slogans, if you will. And so giving the skills, not only the knowledge, but really the skills to be able to address not only their own adults' own health and well-being, which is important if they're in turn supporting our kids, but how do they better understand how to reach kids where they are and how do we create effective outreach to families so that we truly are supporting the whole child? One thing that I've been struck by, we at Action for Healthy Kids, we've been doing what we call training and technical assistance for many, many years. Since we have come together, our two organizations over the last several months, one thing that has struck me is that the expertise that your team has around professional development, helping, like you said, the experts be even more (laughs) expert at what they Mm do. It has really been a stunning aspect of the work that we've started to do together because your team allows us to take it to an entirely different level. And I've really been just so impressed by the quality of the services that RMC Health provides. And you can see over the long haul how those services will have an impact in schools over time as their adults and their professionals become more and more equipped with the tools and the resources and the know-how that they need they're going to provide better services to kids. And so it's a long lead strategy, but still super impressive nonetheless. We're going to talk a little bit now about the merger of our two organizations. And I'd like to set the table to talk about why it's so important that organizations like RMC Health and Action for Healthy Kids come together. Why did you and your board think that a merger was an important strategic move for your organization? As you and I have talked about often, we agree that As a movement, we are not where we need to be in supporting the health of young people and that it's incumbent upon us. It's our responsibility to figure out how we can better serve young people and I'll say moreover families and our communities to be healthier. And so when we were contemplating a partnership with Action for Healthy Kids, and there are many ways to partner, right? We could have picked any number of ways that we could have partnered together. But we knew that if we truly wanted to create the biggest impact and to be able to scale our programming, our services, along with Action for Healthy Kids programs and services, that the best way to do that was to do a full-on merger so that we could really create the synergies that we saw during that due diligence process. We had the benefit, as you well know, we had the benefit of having two strong organizations, financially and otherwise, that had the opportunity to come together that were complementary. And as we've said all along, our goal is to make one plus one equal five. 
And I think we are on our way to doing just that. I think so, too. I'm going to go back to something you mentioned at the beginning of your comments there. Why do you think we've not made the progress that we all are seeking around youth health and well-being over the last, I don't know, let's say, couple decades since you've been involved in this work? What has prevented us from getting to where we all want to be? And by all, I mean not just you and me. But I mean, our society in general, I feel like we know where we want to go, but yet are struggling to figure out how to get there. I won't claim to have the answer to that, but I would say that we have not yet made the case in the way that it needs to be made to the various decision makers throughout our communities, whether that's the healthcare industry and the need to focus more funding on prevention. Same again with government, and we're certainly seeing more support there in terms of the role of government in supporting healthy people. So I'm sure we will have some more to talk about in that realm as well. But if we look at all decision makers, and that is including households and how households choose to spend their hard-earned funds and their time and their energy and, and support. And so I think there are so many pressures that families are seeing. And again, coming out of the pandemic and the trauma that has come with it, that even now more than other, there's so many competing priorities for our time, for our kids' time and energy, and then just support, again, more globally for prevention. We have not yet made the case that more dollars need to be spent upstream on the prevention side of things and not on downstream treatment. Because mergers or the kinds of strategic partnerships that we now have where we've come together, they don't happen all that frequently in the nonprofit sector. Can you talk a little bit about how this combining of our organizations helps our organizations? We'll talk a little bit in a couple of minutes about how it helps us serve our communities better and our schools better and our sometimes state agencies and so on better. But can you talk a little bit about what it means for our organizations from your perspective? When we were going through the due diligence process, things that we really dug deep on were things like back office operations, how much funding and time and energy were being spent on duplicating, if you will, between both organizations, the HR and the admin and all of the things that go on that need to go on that are critically important to any nonprofit organization. And every nonprofit organization is having to do those things. So just that alone, the combining of those back office operations such that we were spending less dollars on that and more resources on programming and reaching and doing the things that we want to do programmatically, that alone to me was worth the efforts to even consider a merger. And then I think moreover, as we saw in the due diligence process, was the magic that took place when we got our program people in the same room. And you and I saw it firsthand that they came up with opportunities that would not be present for either organization, but that were had we moved forward and merged as we have. So I kind of call it the merger magic. Those things that you and I never even thought about, 
but that our program, our brilliant program and development teams, et cetera, that we're able to see the possibility and the potential that we have by coming together. It happened so fast, too. That was yeah. another thing that was interesting about the process is it reinforced something that I've thought for many years is, you know, since I've worked my whole career in the nonprofit sector, I thought one of the biggest challenges, and this is not a, you know, unique to me thinking this, I know a lot of people have this same perspective. One of the unique challenges to nonprofit organizations is just access to capital for mm-hmm trying to drive change and and get to scale. And although neither of our organizations are particularly large, coming together offered us some assets that the two organizations separately did not have and now can begin to leverage with each other. And so I just thought it was a really interesting process that we went through. Yeah, absolutely. We're just beginning to see the fruits of, of all that we've put together. To your point, we've only really scratched the surface. But can you talk about any of the lessons that you've learned as you've worked through the early stages of this merger process with our organizations? I think the lessons learned would include things like, and you and I knew this from the get-go, is making sure you're spending time on building the joint culture of the two organizations. You and I knew that from the get-go. It has turned out certainly to be true and important about how you bring two teams together. And so I think anyone considering a merger or a strategic partnership such as ours, that would be one thing I would point to. And I think letting your amazing team know and understand and be part of the process as it makes sense to do so, that, you know, there are best practices to use when you're considering such a merger and when you bring people into the conversations. And so I think just being strategic and methodical and intentional about that and getting that buy-in. So that buy-in is so critically important and bringing people together at the right time is certainly important. I think also getting, I'll say, outsider, external or third-party support to have that objective view of both organizations and to call on those people that have been there and done that and get their advice and counsel along the way would be important as well. But I think that, you know, the biggest thing is to be forward looking, to look at how one plus one can equal five. What can we do together that we can't do individually within our organizations? And that those opportunities to be forward looking and to understand how we can bring our limited resources, each of us bringing those resources together can really then now come from a place of, I'll say, more abundance instead of scarcity. great example of that is that together, we're now really looking at program development and what new offerings, what is the demand out there, and being able to be strategic about how we're serving our constituents all across the country. Yeah, I have to reinforce something you just said, too. We knew it was going to be challenging to bring our Mm -hmm. two organizations together. And it's been, at least from my perspective, even more challenging than I thought it would be. 
I believe it's worth it. And mm-hmm. ultimately, it's going to pay off for our organizations and the people that we're trying to serve, the kids and parents and caregivers and families and communities and schools and all, yeah. all of those things. But it's not an easy thing to do, like you said, to bring two different organizations and the cultures of those organizations together. It's, a, it's actually a very challenging task. Yeah, absolutely. And to go in eyes wide open, again, you and I have said this all along too, like we wish more nonprofits would consider merging. For the good of your constituents, for the good of your programs, and being able to reach more people. So I'll just say that whatever hard work has happened and will continue to happen as we integrate, we've had eyes wide open going in that we knew would take at least a year to just even get our back office operations and processes merged, right? Like payroll and benefits and things like that. So we knew that going in eyes wide open. So we're right on track, I would say, in terms of that. It's challenging at times, but it's nothing that can't be done. And in our case, by the way, we've decided to retain both brands, both Action for Healthy Kids brand, as well as the RMC Health brand. And we still coexist. It's been additive. So nothing's been lost by either organization. It's been totally additive and understanding the value that each brand brings to the whole. And sometimes one brand might lead if there's a funding opportunity that's around professional development, the RMC Health brand might lead in that perspective. If it's around the school-based kind of core programming that Action for Healthy Kids provides, then Action for Healthy Kids leads in terms of the brand. But we're still together, we coexist, and we are stronger, absolutely stronger together. With this partnership, as you know, we're seeking to exponentially increase our reach and most importantly, our impact. Yeah, scale and impact. Scale and impact was our mantra during this whole process. Yeah, and to try to, something that's been very important to me too is for our organizations to begin to build the capacity to work upstream, even mm-hmm. even further upstream than we currently are or have in the past. Can you talk a little bit about how this partnership will impact our ability to serve the whole child over time? Like I said, we're, we're early in on this. We have just begun this work, so there is a lot in front of us rather than behind us. But what jumps to mind when I ask you that? How will this help us over the long haul serve the whole child? One of the things that we discovered during the due diligence process was what we're calling the education ecosystem. And if for those out there that know the socio-ecological model with the circles that start with the individual and interpersonal and organizational all the way up into policy, we kind of built that out from our work and from the education standpoint. And together, we are now able to impact every level of that ecological model, that ecosystem, if you will. So in some aspects, for example, Action for Healthy Kids has more and better relationships in schools and districts across the country. RMC Health, we have done a lot of our work on the state level, working with state departments of education, state departments of public health, and the like, And so we bring that strength to the partnership. We both dabbled in policy work. RMC Health does trainings on policy, as I shared previously, but helping understand, and again, we're Action for Healthy Kids has had people on the ground across the country 
we are now able to help elevate and train those individuals. Action for Healthy Kids had a strategic goal to expand your training, your opportunities to train and to be responsive to more schools and districts. Well, that's what we do. So that's where RMC Health is able to come in with our strengths, our skill sets, and really just be complementary really be complimentary. I mean, Action for Healthy Kids could have gone on and built out a training arm of what you do. And you, Rob, had the foresight and the vision of saying, why would we do that if we could work with someone like RMC Health that is best in class? Why wouldn't we consider coming together for the benefit of all? So I just applaud you for, number one, making that phone call those many, many, many months ago now and for us to come together in this way. Yeah, if you think about it, it was like common sense, though. We could have tried to build it. It would have taken (laughs) a lot of time and energy and resources. And we surely would have come up with, at least at the beginning, an inferior product. So we could have spent a lot of energy trying to build what you and your organization have, you know, quote unquote, perfected over all of these years in your model. And just to focus in on an early victory that we've had together, as you know, the USDA Food and Nutrition Service has now signed a cooperative agreement with Action for Healthy Kids and RMC Health and our other partner, Chef and Foundation, to make a historic investment in small and rural communities and in the foods and meals that schools are providing all across the country. And it's super exciting to see how, again, the combination of our assets, I'm, I'm confident. Mm-hmm that neither Action for Healthy Kids nor RMC Health would have been able to take advantage of that opportunity alone. Together, our combination of assets just opened up a new lane for our organizations. And it's so exciting to see a nearly $50 million investment in our communities through Action for Health and RMC Health. This is what you and I envisioned when we thought about this partnership and Probably neither of us knew that it would happen quite this fast, but we're sure glad it did. And I just want to echo what you said. Like, There's no doubt in my mind that our partnership, again, along with Chef Ann Foundation, that put us in a position to be able to respond to and ultimately be awarded this $47 million cooperative agreement with the USDA and the Food and Nutrition Services. And what a great opportunity for us to extend our work and our reach out to small and rural schools and districts across the country where it is needed. And it's just the beginning, my friend. It's just the beginning. Indeed. So how has your thinking changed over the years about how we can best support kids, schools, families, and even professionals in our field? I think I'm even more honed in on meeting people where they are. I think we can sit here, we could sit in Washington, D.C., we can sit where we are in whatever organization we're working in and, and think we know like what people need, what kids need. But until we truly reach out, until we listen, until we take the time to truly understand where they are, what barriers they're trying to overcome, can we truly know what resources that we can bring to bear or how we can support? So I think I'm just ever more mindful of that. And especially now with 
where kids and families are. And again, the, the trauma that we're seeing throughout our school systems and so forth is that we've got to do a fair amount of listening before we jump in and truly can understand how to best support these adults and kids in the best way. As you know, we've made some great progress over the years. We talk about the challenges, and indeed, there are some significant challenges before us and in the future years. But we've also made some great progress over the years in support of child health. What would you say is our greatest achievement over the last several years since you've been involved? I think that the acknowledgement, and I believe there's an overall understanding among public health and education professionals that we truly do need to address the needs of the whole child. So if that's something that we can point to that we've kind of rallied around, it's become accepted and understood, and not everybody may know every aspect of the whole child model, but they certainly understand the overall meaning of what it means to address the needs of a child from a holistic point of view. So those wraparound resources and supports that are needed in order to create opportunities and access for physical activity and healthy foods. They don't just stop and start at the school doors, right? We've got to address communities and food deserts and recreation deserts and policy and all of the different aspects, what's happening in our neighborhoods. Unless and until we can work together throughout the landscape, throughout the ecosystem, we'll be achieving results. So I do feel like there's been good movement in, I'll just say that understanding, and there have been efforts made in those different areas. And there seems to be seems to be more recognition that we've got to be working together. We're not in competition. It is going to take all of us. And, and that continued efforts to bring all of us to the table. Check your egos at the door. Like, who cares who gets credit? Let's roll up our sleeves and figure out how we can advance our collective important work. I'm going to make that the final word, Shelley, because <laughs> I think that's exactly how we should end our conversation today. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you in this context and a little bit about the experience that we've gone through together as we've brought our organizations into one combined organization. And like we said, we've got more work to do, yeah. but we're well on our way. And it's pretty darn exciting to talk a little bit about our experience so far. So thank you so much. Likewise, Rob, and onward. I want to say a big thank you to Shelly for joining us today to discuss the game-changing partnership between Action for Healthy Kids and RMC Health and how it will allow us to serve the entire education ecosystem from students in schools to state and federal organizations in government. Remember, you can always find more information by visiting our website at actionforhealthykids.org or checking us out on Instagram and Twitter. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and leave a review so more people can find us or check out some of our past episodes. I'm Rob Bisegli, and thanks to listening to Kids Can from Action for Healthy Kids. Kids.